0: Locked On Dolphins, hosted by Travis Wingfield, your daily podcast on the Miami Dolphins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm in town to play the Dolphins, you dumbass. What's up, Dolphins, and welcome into the Wednesday, November the 14th edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield. And as always, I am here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, we'll go over the all-22 review from Sunday's loss in Green Bay. Miami may have uncovered a gem along the offensive line. We'll discuss that, plus one necessary coaching change is abundantly clear. I'll give you two options for said coach's replacement, plus your Twitter questions. But first... Before any of that, I kindly invite each and every one of you to please subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, leave us a rating, leave us a review, give me a follow on Twitter at Winkful NFL for all the film cut-ups from every single game up on that timeline, follow the show at LockedOnFins, and check out LockedOnDolphins.com, the number one blog in the Lockdown Network, and last but not least, we have tons of podcasts in the network here, so you can find your favorite college or basketball team and all their podcasts on the Lockdown Family of Podcasts Network. We have a bye week and no injury news to update you on right now. Let's go ahead and start the podcast. That's another Miami Dolphins. And first down on today's Locked on Dolphins podcast is brought to you by MyBookie, where you play, you win, you get paid. And as difficult as it was, I made it through the all 22 tape from the Green Bay game. Dolphins lose 31 to 12 and fall to 5 and 5 on the season. And the frustrating part is a lot of the same issues continue to occur, especially on defense. But let's go ahead and start with the offensive side of the ball and a player that I don't know if he will start another game for the Dolphins. I know he likely won't be back in 2019, but it's the quarterback Brock Osweiler and how much he has held this team back in recent weeks. We all know they haven't scored an offensive touchdown in nine quarters now going on over two games of full football. And Brock is just so limited in everything he does. He limits the offense entirely. And early in the season against the Bears and Lions even, he was seeing some stuff pre-snap and getting the football out on time and in rhythm. But now it's gone completely backwards. It's gone completely stagnant. He is not seeing wide open concepts that really make themselves available almost immediately off the snap. And he is really killing this offense. And quite frankly, I don't know how you come out of the bye week with Brock under center If you're Adam Gaze and maintain the respect or the appreciation level in the locker room or just keeping these guys together in general, because we've seen these guys getting frustrated with Brock Osweiler. Whether it is the anonymous quotes in the media or Kenyon Drake being visibly upset throughout the course of the game, he is missing so many throws. And that doesn't even account for the physical limitations where he's throwing late or behind or his deep ball is completely flat. I have plenty of cut-ups on my Twitter timeline at Wingful NFL. You guys can check those out to get a look at how bad Brock was in this game. As far as the offensive line, a couple of spots were pretty good, but a couple of spots not so much. Sam Young was good in pass pro for the most part, but he couldn't hold some key blocks in the running game. Travis Swanson I thought had a decent game and Jesse Davis really got whipped most of this game whether it was Kenny Clark or Mike Daniels he's having a rough go of it this year I thought we'd get better out of that position Zach stirrup has been a complete disaster as you expect he would be the left guard Jake Brendel he is the gem that I mentioned in the open of the show whether it was the power and gap schemes some split zone he has good control good body control good hand placement he hit some very nice blocks in the running game I'm excited to see what he can do going forward as I assume he has nailed down a starting job for the rest of the year, although we will find out. Tight end Nick O'Leary was a complete find as far as a role player that can do things for you both in the pass and running game, as well as an inline blocker. As far as the running game goes, Frank Gore was the superior back on the day. I have been calling for more Kenyon Drake touches and snaps and workload, but Frank Gore continues to prove that he does have a spot in this offense. And then as far as wide receivers go, I feel bad for Kenny Stills because he is a neglected man in this offense. He's doing a lot of things to create separation and to get open, but Brock Osweiler, for whatever reason, he's just not finding Kenny getting open over and over again, and his production has gone completely in the wrong direction since the Tannehill injury, and you hope it picks up, and I think the only way it might pick up is if the Dolphins make a change at quarterback. I think it's going to have to happen after the bye week. If Ryan Tannehill's healthy, obviously he's your guy, but... I think you have to go forward with David Fails at this point because you're going to, like I said, run the risk of losing the locker room if you don't do that. And Brock continues to just lay stinkers out there, which also prohibits you from from getting evaluation from the rest of the offense. So it's been bad. It was bad this game. It was bad a couple of games ago. Hopefully it changes here shortly. And real quick on the defensive side of the football, this one gap scheme where you want to penetrate and just basically hope you pick the right spot or the right target point, it's leaving the linebackers totally vulnerable and it's not getting the job done. It's creating huge lanes on this defensive line. And while the linebackers, you know, they're vulnerable out there, that's not to say that they're getting it done. Raquel McMillan has had a very rough year so far. His angles getting out wide on screens, those are bad. He's often late in his reads. He can't really disengage blocks that well. And Kiko, it's the same old story. He's just not that great. He always flows right into contact and gets washed out of place. Jerome Baker, I do think, has had the best year of the three. And he continues to showcase some of the skills that you want to see from him. But he does need some seasoning going forward. On the defensive line, Cameron Wake and Robert Quinn both had very good games rushing the passer. Robert Quinn got David Bakhtiari a couple times in this game. Cam Wake took advantage of a couple of tight end sets and got some pressure on Aaron Rodgers. The defensive tackles had a very rough go of it, although to be fair, the Packers attacked this wide nine with tons of double teams on both D tackles, so they really didn't have much of a shot to get off those blocks. On the outside, in the secondary, Xavier Howard and Minka Fitzpatrick both playing some perimeter corner. A surprise there for Minka, as most of us expect him to play safety going forward, but he has looked really good out there in coverage. PFF's top coverage guy from the slot, and now he's playing outside. You wonder if these guys could be the next Sertan and Madison, or if Minka will go back to safety. Either way, wherever he plays, he looks fantastic. And Bobby McCain got beat on a mismatch issue the Dolphins had in terms of lining up the right guys, the right matchups, but he's still tough, man. He gets his nose in there made a very nice play in the running game and does well in the slot when you get him on the outside that's when he starts to struggle but the biggest issue is the communication errors and breakdowns are far too frequent I think that's why we're going to have to replace the defensive coordinator Matt Burke at the end of the season that's not really breaking news but I'll float you a new name as a potential replacement later on in the show but up next we'll take your Twitter questions but first before any of that a word from my bookie Whether you're a fan of the heavy favorite or the big underdog, or you like betting over-unders, the place for you is MyBookie, the best bet you'll make all season long. They've been in business for years, have great reviews online, and their mobile site is easy to use. I would only recommend a service to my listeners that has been good to me. That's why I'm urging you to make your way to MyBookie where you win, they pay. They have in-game live betting, over-unders on fantasy points scored, and the most rewarding player perks in the business. And since MyBookie is slam with new betters and wants to give everybody the best possible customer service, if you're willing to wait until after 7 p.m. Eastern to deposit your money, they'll give you an additional $25 free play on deposits over $100. Join now and MyBookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar. You want to use promo code LOCKEDON to activate that offer. Visit MyBookie online today. That's M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E. And don't forget to use the promo code LOCKEDON when creating your account to claim up to $1,000 in free play money. And if you wait until after 7 p.m. Eastern, get an extra $25 free play by using promo code LOCKEDON25. It's up to you guys, but if it were me, I'd wait until after dinner and take the extra candy. My bookie, you play, you win, you get paid. It's a Wednesday on the bye week, which means we have tons of airtime and content to fill. So, we're going to get deep into the Twitter mailbag here and answer your guys' questions regarding this team's present as well as their future. As we know, this same old story again, talking about the future of the football team before Thanksgiving even gets here. Let's go ahead and start with this first question here from Magic Big Season at Jared0514. Not a question, but let's go super optimistic, me. Tannehill comes back after the bye week, leads us to the playoffs, and possibly a win. Am I crazy? I don't think it's that crazy because if he does come back, I think the Dolphins could find four wins in these final six games. And then from there, you're basically looking at a six seed, which means you're going to play the three seed, which is going to be Houston or probably Pittsburgh, or maybe even the Patriots, in which case if the Dolphins have to go on the road in that wild card win, that would be a tall order, but not entirely unlikely. But yeah, without Tannehill, none of that's gonna happen. Next question: Corey Ashburn at Corhe one-three. What are Gaze's biggest strengths? This one's for the haters. I've always loved the way Adam Gaze devises scoring opportunities down in the red zone. We saw it with Jarvis Landry scoring nine touchdowns, the clear outlier in his career. And also the way they create man beating opportunities. When the Dolphins or when the defense goes into a man coverage, they always have good schemes and ideas for how to get the ball to the running backs or even the receivers in those situations. So the way he creates plans in certain aspects, the weakness though, even though you didn't ask is that he goes away from those good plans and I wish he would just stick with them and continue to run the things that do work. Next question here comes from Kid at Giro Picklets. I have no idea how to pronounce that, so I'm sorry about that. With Tannenbaum, Will Tannenbaum be out of the front office and will Matt Burke be out as defensive coordinator come this offseason? I believe Burke will be out, yes, but I would have to see it before I believe it with regards to Mike Tannenbaum. I don't think Steven Ross likes to make changes, and that's his buddy, so I doubt we'll see him go anywhere. Next question from Sports Trooper at Troop, Troop Sports. Yes or no, is Adam Gaze the head coach of the Dolphins in 2019? Whichever your answer is, tell me if that's good or bad. Yes, he will be in my opinion. Is that good or bad? It depends on who he brings in to run his defense and if he's willing to kind of take a step back from the play calling perspective because he's a great play caller, but I think that when it comes to that and being the head coach, he might be a little bit overwhelmed and has kind of gotten bogged down in certain areas where he used to excel. So we'll see. I'm not ready to go either direction if it's good or bad, but I think he will be back for sure. David Coffin at David Coffin 7 has the next question for us here. First round picks. How disappointing has Charles Harris been considering the impact Minka Fitzpatrick has this year? Yeah, that's a big disappointment. I thought Harris was a great looking pass rusher out of Missouri. I thought instantly he could come in and provide you that nickel rush guy off the edge and passing downs, but he hasn't been that. And then being hurt definitely does not help either. So Miami is going to be very big in the defensive market, defensive end market this coming offseason. Next question, Mark Wardlaw, at Dr. Mark Wardlaw. After looking at the amount of raw talent on the defense that seems so uncoordinated, are we ready to say for certain that it's a staff issue and not a personnel problem? I think the staff is the biggest problem on defense behind the personnel, but there are some issues that need ironing out, whether it's Rayquan McMillan and Kiko Alonso or the lack of edge rush in one-on-one situations, but definitely the coaches, in my opinion. Next question comes from Rev Dude. It's at Reverend Dude. Presuming Tannehill's out for the year and Osweiler shits the bed in Indy, do you see a scenario where Fails replaces him? And if not, what was the point of fostering a third quarterback if he's not better than the hot garbage Osweiler? That's a great question, and I don't think there's an answer to that other than just Adam Gaze being kind of stubborn of what he wants to do. We know he has been very, very supportive of the current quarterback that he always has, whether it was Cutler, Tannehill, Osweiler, and I think he'll continue to go that route. I don't think Fails will replace Osweiler, but I'm definitely on board that they definitely should do that. Next question comes from Little Redwood, at fins up four and four, time to update that, at Zach Kerr. Does this team get worse if Gaze is fired and the rebuild goes back to square one, taking longer for the team to have any sustained success? I think if this team bottomed out, that'd probably be a good thing for them, especially next year in 2019, because if we got the first draft pick in 2020, then you're probably looking at Tua Tagovailoa and all of our problems are saved at that point. So you know, I think it'd be a good idea to kind of wipe the slate clean. The one guy I do really like is Chris Greer. He has had a good success as far as draft picks goes. He has averaged over two stars per draft class and that's above the league average. So I like Chris Greer, Adam Gaze, I'm starting to kind of waver on and the rest I could really honestly do without. All right, next question. Scrolling down here, we got another David Fells question. Another question about Tannenbaum, Greer and Gaze. I already mentioned that I think they will all be back next year. So no need to talk about that again. And then this one from A.A. Dominguez at Rotomus Bowtie. This defense is built for a lead. That's the quote we heard many times from this team, and it hasn't exactly panned out. In hindsight and looking ahead, is that really the best type of defense for this team? It would be if they had a successful offense like the Kansas State Chiefs or the New Orleans Saints, but they don't have that. So no, it's terrible planning if your offense is no good. So I would scrap that entire idea like right now and try to have a different formula, a different philosophy. Next question comes from Austin Bullock at a Bullock 17 If the Dolphins were to bring in a new head coach next season, would they have to fire Gaze, or could he be demoted to an offensive coordinator role? I don't want to give up on him completely, but he may not have what it takes to be an NFL head coach long-term. No, they, that would never happen. I, the, there's a, Like most industries, there's a lot of pride in this industry, and a coach would never allow that to happen. He would go somewhere else and probably coach somebody else's offense before he turns around and gets another head coaching gig down the line, I'm sure. Next question comes from John Langjun. I hope I said that one right. At Jay Langjun, do you value playoff experience, even a wild a loss in the wild card round over a higher draft pick? I know that it's always better from a value standpoint to have a higher draft pick, but I don't think it's the end all be all as far as finding a good player. You can always find good players in the draft, but as far as playoff experience, I think that is extremely overrated and really means absolutely nothing. So I don't care about that. So I guess in that scenario, give me the higher draft pick. Last question from Brian Watson. At BrianWatson131, is it time to go to full rebuild mode? Maybe. I think we'll have to see how these last six weeks go. And if it's still Brock Osweiler, then it's kind of hard to judge. Maybe David Fells gives you a spark. But if it's Ryan Tannehill coming back and things don't go well, then yeah, I would say probably trip it down, rebuild it, do everything over again because... I'm just sick of being stuck in the same spot where it feels like we don't really have any answers. We don't really have the patchwork to find a couple of guys or pieces to take us from nine wins up to 11 to be a respectable team of sure. We'll have the occasional 10 win season and the wild card blowout. And that to me is just not fun anymore. (laughs) It never was fun, but it's even less fun now. So I think maybe, but we'll have to see how these last six weeks go. And that will be it for the Locked On Dolphins podcast Twitter mailbag. Thank you guys so much for your questions. We'll do those every week here going forward, most likely, and then into the offseason, as we always do. And I wanted to get that extended mailbag for the bye week here, as we kind of don't have a lot to talk about in terms of this present team, a lot of talk about the future, and I'm sure you guys are getting tired of that, as am I. But what else do we have? Just our hope for the future for a better football team, something we all want, and I'm sure none of us really care how it happens. All right, we have one last segment here talking about potential replacements on the defensive staff. We'll do that next on the Locked On Dolphins podcast at Wingfield NFL at Locked On Fins. The C-Block, segment number three for the Wednesday, November the 13th podcast. Travis Wingful with you guys here, as always, on the Locked on Dolphins podcast. And as we are wont to do, we're discussing organizational changes here in November. And this idea I'm going to go ahead and present to you guys was one that I had floated my way via Kevin Dern. I asked him about Talking about it on the podcast, he said that he got the idea from Chris Coffin, who I'm pretty sure most of us know who that is from the 3 Yards Per Carry podcast as well as on Twitter. But Kevin, being a friend of the podcast, he and I text most days trying to figure out how the hell to fix this Miami Dolphins team. And right now, we both kind of agree that we're stuck in that limbo place where we're just really not excited about the potential moves they could make to fix things here because here we are once again heading into you know almost heading into year four of a new regime a new staff and we have the same questions we always did whether it was Tony Sperano or Joe Philbin. And while I think Adam Gaze gets one more year for sure under Stephen Ross, I think it's gonna come with the caveat that he needs to make a change on defense. And we'll talk about who I think that could be here in a second. But there was also a report today talking about the idea from that three yards per carry podcast that the Dolphins wanted to hire Vic Fangio or Adam Gaze wanted to hire Vic Fangio away from the Chicago Bears and that Stephen Ross stepped in and said, that's not going to happen. I don't want to commit a bunch of money to a coordinator who's going to leave me again in one year the way Vance Joseph did. And so the Dolphins were stuck with Matt Burke and Here we are, two years into Matt Burke, and that idea has not worked whatsoever, but it just speaks to greater organizational dysfunction if Steven Ross is stepping in and telling the coaching staff who they can and cannot hire. I know it's his money. But you put a head coach in charge as to be your CEO, the guy that can make these decisions, the guy that can make the day-to-day decisions in terms of who should play what position, who should be on what part of the staff, and to basically mold the program in the way he wants to. We heard about Steven Ross not being thrilled about the Minka Fitzpatrick pick, which L-O-fucking-L when it comes to that, but it seems like he wants to get more involvement, and that just terrifies me that we're heading even closer to to being ran by a Jerry Jones clone and Steven Ross, opposed to the better owners like the Rooney family, the Mara family, or even the Robert Krafts of the world. But if we get more involvement from the owner, that just spells even more bad news for the Dolphins. But talking about the defensive coordinator change, I think it's pretty much imminent at this point. Matt Burke has to know he's on the hot seat, and the way these communication breakdowns continue to occur every single week on this defense, I think he would be pretty... Oblivious to the idea that he's on the hot seat and ready to go out the window as soon as the season is over come Black Monday. I think that will be the case. But who are some of the names we could have in his place in 2019? Kind of being the guy that comes in to hopefully save Adam Gaze's bacon, as far as Adam Gaze is concerned. And you guys heard me talk about Todd Bowles. I still love that possibility. Sounds like he's going to be on the outs from the New York Jets. It's going to have to be an experienced guy, a guy that you can get the most out of your best players from. Talking about Minka Fitzpatrick, maybe the growth of Jerome Baker, obviously Xavier Howard being of that group. But two more names that Kevin floated my direction were Jack Del Rio and Dennis Allen. Now, they were on similar schemes on defense. Del Rio is not currently a coach in the NFL. Dennis Allen would be the defensive coordinator of the New Orleans Saints right now, and he has turned that defense around the last couple of years in a big, big way. You'd have to throw him some more money and probably a more aggressive title, whether it's an assistant head coach to Adam Gaze. I assume he would be in a much better, better role, a promotion from what he got from New Orleans. And the idea of this came with the idea that the Dolphins can rebuild the defensive line in a 4-3 under look, maybe even a 3-4. And you would do that building it around a new defensive line. And the guy that Kevin floated my direction, which I would love to see, is Michigan's Rashawn Gary to possibly be their Cameron Jordan type of player. And he mentioned a couple of connections that would bring to the New Orleans Saints over to the Miami Dolphins as far as free agents go. The Saints, we know they are strapped for cash up against the cap, mainly because of Drew Brees' big contract. So guys like Alex Okafor could be a potential cut especially with the depth behind them in Marcus Davenport and maybe even Trey Hendrickson. A couple names Kevin mentioned, Tyler Davidson, Manti Teo, Craig Robertson as some depth and possibly uh, two down linebackers in this defense. Ken Crawley, a free agent, the cornerback. So there could be some ties, some connections there to Dennis Allen, Jack Del Rio. Some of these guys that might have the opportunity to come in and take over this defense because for too long now, this defense has been trash and that doesn't really go well with a trash offense. Hopefully they find a way to fix at least one side of the ball this offseason. They'll have the resources to do it with draft picks and money and all that stuff coming off the books as Steven Ross gets another chance, whether you like it or not, to make things right for the Miami Dolphins and try to get this ship righted once and for all. All right, that's going to be my time today for the podcast. As always, you guys, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Check out the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts for all your local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Follow me on Twitter, at NFL. Follow the show, at LockedOnFins, and keep up to date on our Daily Dolphins blog over at LockedOnDolphins.com. You guys have a great rest of your night. We'll talk to you again tomorrow for another edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast, your daily dose for Miami Dolphins football.